Like sports talk with absolutely no sports talk. Welcome to the latest edition of the Just Not Sports podcast. This is the show where a couple guys who work in sports talk to the people who play and cover sports about anything they like, just not sports. On today's show, we will talk to Kent Bazemore of the Red Hot Atlanta Hawks about the Scott Harvath spy novels, which Kent likes so much he changed his name on Twitter. And we'll go deep on the new rap album by Portland Trailblazers star Damian Lillard and even break it down with hip-hop pioneer Def Jeff, a producer qualified to rate Dame's skills since he once appeared on the song I Know I Got Skills with Shaq. We'll also slam some hammers, give you some distractions, and so much more. I'm your co-host Brad Burke. I'm a sports marketer in Chicago. And joining me in the studio is a leading sports media strategist from the University of Colorado the Green Bay Packers, and many global sports brands. Adam Willard. Adam, how are you this week? Rested, refreshed, ready to go? It's been, it's been tough. <laughs> uh, so, yes. Things are getting better all the time, Brad. Wonderful. Wonderful. How are you? I'm great, man. I got Good. great distractions this week. You guys are going to be impressed. I got a lot of content there <laughs> great. that I found on the internet. I have a great hammer. Ooh, we'll get there soon. Don't jump the gun. Adam's giving me the death stare. You can do whatever you want. You want to just do your hammer right now? <laughs> <laughs> no, man. Yeah, let's mix it up. All right. It's a new day. Also joining us, you hear right there Uh-oh. the sound of our producer extraordinaire in the studio, Mr. Joe Reed. Hi, Joe. Hey, Brad. Hey, Adam. Joe's wearing a shirt with three wolves howling at the moon. Is these back in now? Yeah, I also have an Ewok version of this one. You I'll wear do? it next time we take. that. Yeah, I, I actually had change. both of them in my hands this morning. I was like, I'm going regular you wolf. You made the wrong call. I got what? both. I got I got options. How did you make this, the choice? Uh... I don't know. I just I feel like I I feel like I save Ewok howling at the moon for special occasions. I like I'm a big fan of wolves. I asked this for I asked for a wolf shirt for Christmas two or three years ago, and uh, I got two of them the same year. I got both those in the same year. I, I would have given you a yellow jersey that said Beavers. Do you want to know why? Uh, no. Teen Wolf. Oh yeah, Ugh. good one. Also with us on the phone <laughs> from our Brooklyn bureau. It's our seven-time Emmy-winning producer, Mr. Gareth Hughes. Gareth, how are the Knicks doing? Uh, I just all I know is I'm a Cavs fan now. I just follow J.R. Smith wherever he goes. I love J.R. Smith. Permanent hammer for J.R. Smith. Do you, yeah, you mean you totally. follow him with a shirt just in case he needs one? <clears throat> with a t-shirt. If J.R. Smith wants a, uh, if J.R. Smith. Wants a shirt caddy, I will volunteer for that job. I will I quit my job as a producer at CBS Sports to become J.R. Smith's shirt caddy, provided I can roll behind him on a hoverboard at all times. I wanted to make a shirt that was his tattoos that you could sell in Cleveland after the parade. Wait, that would have been great, right? You say that. We should combine that with him using a t shirt cannon. I feel like there's something there. Shooting, sh- taking his shirt off and shooting it out of a cannon. I'm sure that J.R. Smith with a cannon <laughs> shooting tattoo t-shirts in Cleveland would not at all end badly. 
<laughs> not, even at a, not even at a game, just out ten, in the streets. Ten riots. <laughs> uh, okay, I mentioned hammers. It's that time of the show. We don't just invite people on behind the scenes. I mean, we do. <laughs> I send a lot of emails. Get a lot. Get a lot of maybes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we in- make those invitations public, so you, the listening viewer, listening viewer, no, listening listener, the listener, if you will. Yeah, you could have just gone with that one word. <laughs> That's okay. I get it. Streamlined hashtag synergy, so that you can hear our thought process and be exposed to what the sports world is talking about that has nothing to do with sports. We call this process slamming the hammer. Time to slam some hammers. I'm going to go first. Okay. Switching it up. Do it. I don't know if you guys have noticed. um, Baseball came and went. Chicago Cubs won our first championship in 108 years. How long was that? 108 years. I didn't know that. Yeah, you guys didn't know. I didn't just replay the tape. I can just hit the same notes with perfect Better range than I thought. Time. Thank you. <laughs> Joe, could you hit that sound drop one more time? 108 years. Nice. Good producing. Wait, Joe, yeah. Joe, Joe hit, it, hit it again. All right. Here, oh, wait, I'm going to edit it in. Hold on real wait, quick. Hold on real quick. Hit it again, but in slow-mo. Hundred Joe Reed, uh, I'm going to need you to isolate all of these and give them directly to me. All right, sounds good. Uh, hey, Joe, add in the, uh, do it one more time, but then add in the, the sound horn at the end. Enough. 108 years. You don't get to your... That's your, that's your ham horn? Oh, God. <laughs> it was bad. It was bad. Can that was rough. <laughs> I'm gonna go. That was a lot better. I'm gonna stab you in the neck with this uh, with right, this pen right. if you don't get to your hammer. Kyle Schwarber, <laughs> he was our outfielder. Schwarbs, uh, amazing guy. I don't know anything about him, but amazing dude in terms of his story for this season. He blew out his knee. A young guy, he's like, I give me like 23 years old. Blew his knee the first week of the season. Doesn't play a single. He doesn't have a single at bat until game one of the World Series where he convinces the team to let him DH. Has an awesome World Series, including getting on base to start the the rally in the 10th inning, therefore making Chicago joyous. While he was rehabbing, he said he, or while he was this whole time off, you know, he had a whole season off, he said he ate a lot of Taco Bell and Mickey D's. And now that he's... <laughs> He's finishing his rehab. He's going to get full range of motion. He's got to cut out the junk food. Before he does, here's my deal, Kyle. Late night run with us and the Just Not Sports team. We will head out to Taco Bell and Mickey D's. We'll get all your best stuff. I will throw in a quick trip to either Popeye's, an Adam favorite, or Sparrow. Why is a Popeye wait, wait, my wait. favorite? Because Whoa. you talked about it on the podcast. All right, fair enough. Oh, you you yeah. talked about Natalie Gold. <laughs> right. that's, that's, I even know the episode. Like You said, I can't avoid a Popeye's in an You're right, because it's in a particular airport. I and do remember I that now. I said Sparrow. I said, let's, we'll go to the airports. We'll pick up you the stuff. You that now. I was just trying to pick a fight. I know, I know. Uh, I mean, I, <laughs> I did mean it to be racist, but like I, I, not then. Like, yeah, not in that you're using this against me. Right. Cool. Anyway, we'll go get a huge fast food buffet, and we'll crush it. And then you can cut off fast food the next day. You know, like I do every night when I say to myself, last night I drink it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's mine. Joe, we, we, and you know what? We can cut out the air horn. No, I thought it was pretty good. Yours was not, but mine was pretty good. Joe Reed, let's see, let's see your hammer. Uh, 
sort of uh i'm I'm curious to talk to and i this will never happen but um stop with that negativity come on guys we, i know you yeah, shouted we're out, destination you shouted out baby that's the first president we've shouted out Positive um oh god why am i blanking on his name right now this is bad. Give us description. Man, I'm really trying to give you to be uh, easier <laughs> on you, but Jesus. What's he look like? There's uh, only five living presidents. It's got to be one of those, right? No, it's not a president. It's... Um, I was joking. Ugh, six now with Trump. Ruin, oh ruin the last Cubs World Series hopes. Steve Bartman? Uh, Steve Bartman. Yeah, I don't we know. We talked about this recently. We did? Uh, oh, at, some of us we, did. Gareth and Adam and I did. Oh, shit. We did one on Halloween costumes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd be curious. I feel like there was a lot of talk about, like, he should throw out the first pitch. He should be in the parade. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I wonder what he... See if he'll do his first interview ever. Yeah. Hey, cut it out with the negativity, Brad. <laughs> Again. Come on. Why not ask him about Why not, not sports? Us? Did you ever see the Sports Center fake interview with Steve Bartman? <laughs> no. So right after the whole thing happened... Uh, first of all, we love you, Steve. You didn't do anything wrong. Uh, right after the whole thing happened, Dan Patrick was on Sports Center. And he goes, we have Steve Bartman on right now. And he goes oh, on. Right. He starts just saying, you know, I'm just, I'm so heartbroken. I'm such a Cubs fan. And the other picture of him, you just hear his voice. He's like, I'm such a Cubs fan. Um, and uh, and I just feel so bad. Actually, you know what? Let's just pull the clip. I wanna, uh, let's everyone hear it. Have you received death threats, Steve? Yes, I have received uh, at least five death threats um, uh, calling my parents' house. And, and, you know, people get, you know, especially from the news, they've been calling and, and I and I'm pretty much right now, um, in, you know, hiding out right now. Can you stay in the Chicago area? Um, do you like Howard Stern's butt cheese? We've been had. That was not Steve Bartman. <laughs> was it Captain, was it Captain Jenks? I don't know who. A little was this Jonathan? Was that a guy on the show? Uh, Stuttering John. Stuttering John. That might have been it. I don't. I don't. You know what? Hashtag hot take here. I don't listen to Stern. Never have. What? Never I've have. watched some of his Hit interviews. Hit him with the high. Hit him with the high. <laughs> 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 again. We're really going. We're towing a dangerous line with schlock, oh my schlock God. radio ourselves right now. Anyway, that's a good That's a good one. We'll talk to Bartman. I'd just be curious to see what he thought about uh, not only Cubs winning the World Series, but like now there's this like he's forgiven it's all yeah. good you can come back it's like yeah. has is that what well, he's been waiting but based for? on our bylaws wouldn't we have to have him on and then interview I would him love to have about like grilling talk about it yeah just about what he's <laughs> yeah. done since then like well, how's your how's your job dude i just talked about like renegades baseball i'd also say this um you're like i'd just be curious to hear like no one knows what his voice even sounds like Joe. he's like an ultimate mystery rap that's true I don't uh, actually that video may, of him that we're gonna have him on next week then yeah. Because nobody's going to know the difference. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. All right. Gareth, when you want to slam the hammer to? Uh, I like this cup scene you guys are going with. Uh, I enjoyed watching Saturday Night Live the week after they won, uh, seeing some of that go down. And I followed David Ross when he was on the Red Sox. So now as he goes out with one of the most memorable final games in Major League Baseball history – I would just like to talk to David Ross about not baseball and what he has planned for retirement. Old man Rossi, he will be missed. Uh, I saw someone complaining on Facebook a while back that for his final home game in the regular season, he got like a huge ovation. And they're like, 
I don't really. Uh, these Cubs fans are the worst. Like giving their backup catcher like such an ovation. Said so, so now we're criticizing Cubs fans, long considered partiers who never followed the sport for real, about being too knowledgeable and giving their backup players like a nice ovation. Like please stop. Yeah, they they overdid it. They swung too far the other direction. Ugh. I'm kidding. Whatever. Adam Hammer. Um. So I want to talk about a guy who. Uh, Gareth will appreciate this. He's a unique artist. Um, his name, he's a he's a bodybuilder. His name is Brent Ray Frazier, and uh, he paints paintings with his dick. <laughs> uh, they're pretty good. He recently did one of uh, Princess Di and the Queen. Um, what together. kind of strokes does he use? There's a video. <laughs> good one. There's a video, but I could not bring myself to watch it. So, what's his name again? Brent Ray Frazier. <laughs> Joe and I are going right to this. <laughs> Adam's like, I can't bring myself to watch it. I'm like, Joe, boot up the big screen in the office. Brent Ray Fra- Frazier, come talk to us about dick painting, bud. Cool. <laughs> Love this. Garrett, Love you're, it. You're really more of the art critic, so you might have to handle this one. <laughs> oh, I mean, it follows in a classic tradition where Wait, uh, got, guys like Eve Klein and triple explosions. His, pa- his penis paintings are called explosions with three X's. Cool. No, but you've so got, neat. This is interesting. Is oh, that wow. No, that's a photo. Guys, this Whoa. is a classical, Uh-oh, like. Contemporary art tradition. You have artists like Eves Klein having people roll around on a canvas and make body prints. David mm-hmm. Hammonds did the same. Kazuo Shiraga, Japanese painter, painted paintings with his feet. I mean, this is just in line with so many things that we've seen in art of the last century. Pretty sure this is just a hardcore porno site. Yeah, I, I clicked out of that other window because there was... Oh. What? Well, <laughs> pornography on bodybuilder may not be his primary profession. <laughs> well, how about go to his website. Body your own pounder risk. might be his primary profession. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. If you've got someone you want us to talk to, just slam the hammer yourself. Contact them on social media and say, hey. Go on the Just Not Sports podcast or shoot us a note, justnotsports at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter, find us on Facebook, find us on Instagram, find us on Beam. And with that, it's time to get on with the show. And it is a packed show, so let's get right to it. We're going to start with an interview I did with Kent Bazemore of the Atlanta Hawks. Kent uh, is a huge fan of the Scott Harvath spy novels by Brad Thor, so much so that I even noticed that he changed his Twitter profile to be Scott Harvath. So we're going to break that down, learn a little bit about the series, see if he can maybe get a cameo in the movie. And then Adam and I are going to go super deep on the new album by Damian Lillard to kind of talk about our expectations, where he's taking his hip-hop career. And hey, after that, who better to weigh in than Def Jeff, the iconic hip-hop producer We've had him on the show before. We said we'd bring him back when we had some big news to report on. So we're going to go deep on Dame's album, where Def Jeff feels like it ranks. And then, of course, ask him, how does it stack up against Shaq? Because only Def Jeff, who appeared with Shaq on his debut album, can say for sure. Stick around, everybody. 
We will be back with Ken Bazemore right after this. I'm going to jump right into it if you're good. Um, I got this idea because I saw on Twitter you'd actually changed your name on this on your account to, to Scott Harvath. Uh, how many of your fans actually make the connection between that and the character when you're active in social? Uh, so um, right away, no one did. But uh, <laughs> over time, yeah, as I was tweeting about it, uh, I actually tweeted Brad Thor a little bit, uh, which was cool. And then uh his 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 character also has a uh has a twitter page that followed me and then once that once they they uh, once they uh found out then uh you know it kind of went haywire from there people were like oh man it's cool you're a star harvest fan and you know it's it's a cool gig man no one knows you know not a lot of people uh know what he does or you know who he is but He's a badass, to say the least. <laughs> well, okay, so you already mentioned the author of the series, Brad Thor. He went back and forth with you. When are you going to get, like, a supporting character in this, like, in one of the next books, man? Oh, shoot. I you know, I hadn't even thought that far. I was wondering uh, when a movie would come out or something, if he was going to do a movie. Because, you know, they got the James Bond and Jason Bourne and yep. uh, Tom Cruise. But, uh but none of those guys have anything on Scott, man. You know, Scott is, uh, he's probably, you know, I think I'll take him over Superman. <laughs> That's high praise, man, because Scott still gets killed if he gets shot. But I do. Uh, I know. <laughs> I do. I do. Th- I, I have good news for you. They are allegedly in the process of making a movie. So oh. I don't know if you've dusted off your, your acting chops, but I I, I want to see you. In, we had Amon Green on the show from the Packers, and he's a huge Batman fan and got into the Batman Superman. I got, I got to see you as a supporting role in that movie, man. Oh, that'd be sick. Yeah, I'm actually I'm going to reach out to him then, man, to see if I can get me a little, <laughs> me a little cameo or something. So you mentioned the character being a badass. What is? How did you first hear about this book series, and what drew you into it? Uh... My uncle was in the uh, in the Air Force. My uncle was in the Air Force for a very, very long time, and you know, he would tell me all these stories. And um, he actually introduced me. You know, he obviously put me on to uh, Mitch Rapp and and yeah. Scott Harbath. So um, the audio books are, are like my thing. Like they're like nine hours long. You know, the guy switches up his voice. And it allows you to use your imagination. So I just fell in love with it. And, you know, those those are stories you don't really hear, you know. I grew up in California, North Carolina, and you know, I didn't really know anything about the military or you know, I just knew they protected us. I didn't know that they had a, you know, clandestine service that, you know, sent people over overseas to, you know, handle their business and dirty work. So, you know, I'm a, I was, I was, you know, a hardcore conspiracy theory guy for, for like <laughs> a ton of college. And, you know, as I, you know, learned to learn more and more with, uh, you know, from my uncle and, uh, our, our relationship grew, you know, he started introducing me to all these books and stuff that I could read to kind of, you know, bridge the gap from, you know, where I was then to like my youth and all the events that took place and all this stuff. So it's, a, it's just a cool, you know, it's a different way of thinking, you know, it's cool to, 
actually change the chain of, train of thought a little bit and, and think like a, you know, how they go in and everything is so technical and you know they they look to not make mistakes and all those things. So it's just a cool gig, to, you know, shape your shape your uh, train of thought. So there are a ton of books in this series. Uh, did you start at the beginning or like kind of like James Bond? Like if I was going to tell someone to watch a movie, I would point them to the best ones. I wouldn't necessarily say start in 1964 and go in order. How do you, how did you actually consume the novels? Did you go, did you go by when they were published uh, or did you just kind of jump in and out? No, I started at the, at the first one at the, right. at the, at the beginning and kind of uh, went all the way through. Cause you know, that's, that's the way to do it. I think, you know, anytime, uh, something's in chronological order, you know, you want to respect the artist, I mean, the uh, the author, you know, and, and, and go from the beginning so you can actually learn about the character and, you know, grow up with them and, and, and you know, go through everything they went through. So we've got a lot of listeners that won't be familiar with the book. Some are, uh, but tell us a little bit more about the character and what makes him so appealing. Like what We've already talked about his badassery, but like, what are some what are some kind of interesting traits or interesting kind of situations that you you think best define who Scott Harvath is? So he's uh, he's a, a very tactical thinker, and and he, he thinks well on his feet. You know, a lot of things he does is um, done on the fly. You know, he he obviously goes in with the plan, but he never really panics when when uh, something hits the fan or something doesn't go quite as planned and. He always looks to stay a step ahead of the competition, and you know, as a basketball player, you know, that's a that's a pretty cool, that's a pretty cool and neat, you know, uh, way to way to carry things. You know, you play against the defense, and you know, you always want to be a step ahead of them and all this. So he's a he's a good representation of, you know, what I think a a Kobe Bryant is like, or uh, you know. Uh, you know, one of the other greats of the game, Michael Jordan, like those guys are, you know, silent assassins, but it's all, it's all trained. It's all well thought out. It's all part of a process and, and part of a bigger plan. So Scott does a great job of, you know, following through with everything. You know, if he starts something, even if he has leave, he, he's going to make his way back to finish it. If it's a, a day later or a year later, he's going, you know, tie it up. It's, it's, it's never any loose end. So, uh, that's that's what stands out to me about about Scott. Do you have a favorite book in the series thus far? Uh, I mean they're all like they're all like stud books, man. Brad Thorne did an amazing job of you know being you know so detailed and uh, it's, it's such a graphic book. Now you know the characters got a Navy SEAL background. You mentioned that this kind of this interest was sparked by a family member in the military. How has it changed? How has reading about this so passionately changed or maybe opened your eyes to, um, to veterans or maybe Navy SEAL culture in general? Oh, dude, it's, 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 uh, it's done a, I wouldn't say a complete one because I've always respected, uh, you know, people that are willing to give up their lives to, you know, save their country. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, anytime I see, you know, a, a Navy SEAL or, any military personnel always, uh, you know, say thank you or, you know, shake their hand or just give them this huge smile because, uh, I mean, you never know. I mean, and, and, you know, Scott, Scott wouldn't be a guy that would dress up in, in uniform, but, you know, those are the people that, you know, I, I really 
appreciate because I, you know, I honestly couldn't couldn't go over there and do those kind of things. I'm not built to to do that, do those kind of things, and it and it says a lot about them as an individual, you know, for them to risk their lives to save the millions and millions and millions of people over here that you know, on a daily basis, don't even know what's going on, you know, or don't even know the things that they have to do to save us or how many close calls we may have. So uh, it's definitely changed my my whole you know outlook on that, and you know, I'm forever grateful for uh, you know, those kind of people. Well, your owner lived with a seal and trained with him for a month. Have you ever have yeah. you ever thought about doing something like that? Uh, uh I haven't. Uh, but Jesse said it was it was it was interesting. Uh, I've talked to him in, at, at at length about the whole experience, and I actually read the book. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, and I listened to uh, you know Mark Devine. I listened to a lot of his podcasts as well. So, uh, I'm, I'm pretty tapped in. You know from a distance into that, into that lifestyle. And you know, those guys, they just, they're just different, man. Like they have that, they have that instinct that, you know, it's hard to work to get, you know, like they, these guys are kind of born with it and, you know, they, they, they kind of hone all their skills and they know, you know, time and place, they understand, you know, they just have a grasp on like life, you know, as a whole. And, uh, it's something to work towards as an individual and, you know, certainly as an athlete because they have some of the traits that uh, could be very, you know, work as a parallel, you know, to the game of basketball. So Scott Harvath, look, I've got an Uncle Scott who spells his name with two T's. Every time I see Scott with one T, I think it's misspelled. It's just like the way my mind works. <laughs> Did you have that problem too? <laughs> yeah, so when I first, when I, that's funny you say that, because when I first put it on Twitter, I put two T's and... <laughs> Someone called me out on. I was like, "Oh, okay, well, sorry, you know, I'm just a fan, you know. I didn't, I had no idea." But uh, well, and you got the audio books, man. If you got the audio books, how are you gonna know? You can't tell exactly, exactly. You can't tell. So, uh, you know, as, as an American, I, I think you know Scott with two T's. You know, I, I didn't know <laughs> his parents were being cute and, and gave him one. What uh, you know, when people talk about getting involved in books, uh, and I only got another question or two for you. When, they, when when people recommend book series that have like 12, 13, 14 different books in it, it can be super intimidating. So what would be your hard sell? Why should someone give this a chance knowing just how how much time is, is required to get through it? Uh, you know, because, you know, with a, with as, as busy you know, as I am during the season and, you know, with, with other endeavors I have going on, like I've always, I've always found time to, you know, listen in. Like it's, it's always something you know, to bridge the gap. Like whether it's a uh, plane, whether it's on a plane, whether you know, whatever you're doing. Like it's, it's just good to, you know, uh, you know, have something that you can read and 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 know that once you finish this book, there's another one coming up. And you know, I'm like that with TV too. Like a lot of a lot of times, I'll wait until you know, two seasons are out so I can just binge watch it. And, you know, I, that's just how I am. But, I mean, and I, and I say if if you're into that kind of thing where you like series, you like, you know, uh, chronological events, you like, you know, growing with someone, then I, I think, you know, the Mitch, uh, the Scott Harvath series is the one for you. Uh, yeah, you mentioned TV. I mean, Jack, are you into 24? I mean, Jack Bauer is kind of a similar archetype. Well, no, I didn't, I didn't. I never got to 24, but I did. 
Like I was a huge uh, Mr. Robot fan when I was out. Like I like Blacklist. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah, I like uh, what else? Even uh, even Designated Survivor. I mean, it's it's, it's politics. Mm-hmm. I mean, it has nothing to do with you know with that kind of stuff. But it's just you know a different way of thinking. It's uh, different people, different different scenarios. It's just it's all different. So uh, I like that. I like that kind of stuff. And you know, they have a few seasons out now. So you can start from the beginning, like uh, White Collar. You remember that show? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That show came out USA. Uh, it was like five or six seasons out, and I watched all of it in maybe like two weeks. <laughs> like, I just went through it. So I love like binge watching and, and like, you know, just seeing characters grow. Like, you can, you can even see the acting from like season one to season three, like how the, how the person grows as an individual and as a, as a character. So it's fun that way. <laughs> and then uh, finally, you know, uh, you've got, uh, you know, your foundation, which operates, you know, recreational sports programs and basketball camps exclusively uh, for children with, a, with especially targeting, um, you know, children in need. Can you tell me a little bit more about what you guys do and the aspirations for the foundation moving forward? Oh, uh, yeah. You know, I, I, I've, I've done a lot through, uh, you know, sports growing up. I think sports is uh, the sole reason. You know, obviously, where I am today, you know, but uh, I think uh, using sport, you know, in hindsight, using sports as an outlet is a great way to keep kids focused and, you know, uh, worrying about the right things, you know. And um, and and when I went to school, I got I got two degrees uh, in uh, human services and criminal justice from Old Dominion University, so I'm super passionate about uh, learning. So now. Uh, I've kind of shift my focus into helping, you know, more athletes, more kids that aspire to be athletes become well-rounded because, you know, the ball is going to stop dribbling one day for me. And, um, you know, I want to be able to, you know, roll right into what I would call the afterlife, you know, life after basketball. And um, I think doing that, you know, teaching kids those principles early, um, you know, will, will definitely get them a leg up because as an athlete, you're already born with the grit. Uh, with the determination, you know, with the work ethic to to be great human beings, but it's all about knowing where to put your energies. And so I want to I want to teach kids that, and you know, ultimately, uh, I want to open an academy. You know, so I'm working with uh, people here in Atlanta now. Uh, I got some stuff growing here. Um, obviously, going to do some stuff back home uh, in in Berkeley County, North Carolina, because that's where you know I think you know kids need the most help in those rural rural areas. So um, just looking to, uh, you know, share some of my life experiences, you know, through something other than just sports, you know, because, uh, you know, you know, basketball paid the way for me. But, you know, I think you know, my, my academics and my ability to make relationships with people is taking me over the top. So this is something I want to show the kids. Well, that, that's awesome. I mean, we people should check out thearmsfoundation.org. Uh, they should follow you on Twitter at 24 Baysmore and not be freaked out when they see Scott Harvath is your name. Uh, and then, hey, man, you, do you have, do you have a novel in you? Do you have a spy novel in you? You got the, you got the degree in criminal justice. You got the, you know you got all these different books you've read. You get, are we gonna see your name on a book jacket in the next few years? Oh man, uh, you know I haven't thought about that either. You know it's just something I might, man. You know it's it's, it's something I love writing. Even in college, like all I do is write papers and all this stuff in human service. So who, who might see it? But. I doubt it'd be anything about basketball. It'd be something like far out. I may, I may, 
create my own Scott Harvest one day. We'll see. Hey, when you do, man, you we we will be your first interview because we are huge fans of uh, your passion for this. And uh, you know, best of luck this season. We'll be rooting for you guys. All right, man. Thanks a lot. Once upon a time, every NBA player who mattered had a rap career. Shaq, Gary Payton, Jason Kidd, Chris Webber, Kobe. And even if you didn't have a CD coming out, you at least showed up in a rap video every few months. I'm looking at you, Jalen Rose. But these days, when an NBA all-star releases a record, it's a rare occurrence and therefore a very big deal. So when Portland Trailblazers guard Damian Lillard put out his new album, the letter O, it shook up the sports world by scoring a ton of press and generating more athlete endorsements than Hillary Clinton. So today we're going to break it down and see where Dame Dalla now ranks in the pantheon of athlete rappers. Adam, has he supplanted Shaquille O'Neal as the greatest athlete rapper of all time? Yeah, before he even put out this album. Oh, <laughs> Shots That's not a no, fired. not a diss. I don't mean that to be a diss at all, but his four bar Friday already created a phenomenon and rap that Shaquille O'Neal really didn't have. I think Shaquille O'Neal, although commercially successful, didn't really resonate with what you would call hip hop heads. So sold some records, probably sold some tickets at shows, but in terms of credibility with those who consider themselves true hip hop fans and no disrespect to, to Shaquille at all, but I'm not sure he ever really penetrated um, that demographic. And I think Dame Dollar has done that. All right. I got a lot of thoughts about this. Number one, I want to take a slow uh, one second to give a golf clap to Dame for putting out the album. All right. Like Absolutely. Bravo, yeah. young young man, for going the extra mile. It's not like he's just doing like mixtape stuff on SoundCloud, which is you know, I, look, I love that stuff too. Le'Veon Bell, shout out to Mon Shumper, all those guys. This thing's on iTunes. Yeah, I know, this is a legit. I know because I bought it. I bought it. You did. You can, you can you can stream this for free, and I still paid for it because I was like, Dame did the work. I'm giving him the money. I like that, and no that one deserves more money. Than professional athletes. And when I say I'm going to do that, I mean I'm going to download it on Spotify <laughs> that I pay a subscription. On LimeWire. And then get a new new computer to make Ooh. up for LimeWire uh, crashing on my systems. LimeWire, so, you just dated even Even before, even before th- this album came out, I do agree. He had established himself as an athlete who is aspiring to be taken very seriously as a, as a true artist. Yeah. I was very impressed earlier this year when he put out Bigger Than Us his song about positivity and hope yeah. in the wake of Ferguson, yeah. everything that had been happening. Um, I, I was impressed with it musically as well as, you know, just it being a cool thing to do and, and quality. I'm in, I'm impressed with the album mm-hmm. from a quality perspective. He's working with interesting names, mm-hmm. much like Shaquille O'Neal collaborated with very interesting artists of his day. I think Dame is doing a good job trying to, you know, get in the studio, work with really creative people, bring out the best. Adam, I think we, we're going to have to have a little bit of a support group here because no one champions 
athlete music I'm more than me. I'm surprised by where this is going. Okay. No one champions athlete music more than me. Uh-huh. No one defends it more than me. And I'm not saying I didn't like it. I'm saying I was a little underwhelmed. And I, I say this from this, this perspective. That, I think, is the ultimate sign that he's doing something right. Because yeah. I was able to listen for it, like listen to it like you would with, oh, hey, Jane's Addiction's coming out with a new album, and I, I love that band growing up. Or so or Arcade Fire's got a new song coming out. Oh, I, I like it, but I don't like it as much as the other stuff I've heard of them. And it wasn't just like me with a novelty album from Dion being like, I'm so glad this exists. I'm laughing along. Exactly. To it. And yep. so when I say underwhelmed, I like for the songs, I'm like, glad these are on my iPod. I'll be playing them. Yep. A couple of the other ones, I was like, I get it, but it didn't excite me the way that like Bigger Than Us excited me. Sure. And I guess I was surprised with his style. It just seemed like a very low key offering for someone put out their first, I think, full length album. Yeah, I would flip that a little bit and say he wasn't afraid to be subtle. Yeah, so, okay, that's really a fair point. So I'm sorry, Dame. I love you, Dame. No, Don't be mad at me. No, I think that I was is, very conflicted listening to this. I also think he experiments a little bit about uh, on this and he's trying to find his sound. Um, I think he, he misses on some tracks. I've generally liked. So the, what I like about this is at least through the first half of the album, it listens as an album. Now you can make the argument that it's redundant. There's not a lot of change in his verse structure or the, the speed or tempo of his raps. However, I do think, uh, so I'm going to get very specific here. There is a 1998 album by Brand Nubian, a rap group that I like, um, called Foundation. I remember picking it up in my college radio station, and this reminds me of that a little bit. A little bit of neo-soul, some jazz influences, at least through the first half of the album. And because I listened to it on YouTube, and wasn't necessarily seeing the track change. Um, I kind of liked how this started out. Now, the second half of the album, or at least the mid part of it, they got into some kind of what I would consider cliche verses followed by uh, an R&B hook, like the song with Jamie Foxx. Plans. Not, what's that? Plans. Plans. All right, let not me, a fan of this song. Let me, Joe Reed. Let's boot this up. Let's hear Jamie Foxx with the uh, with the chorus. I've been making plans for you, plans for you. Can't wait to get my hands on you, hands on you. Come and put it down on me. Come and put it down on me, on me. Come and put it down on me. I've been making plans for you, for you. Oh, I don't even know if I'm singing that right. <laughs> I shouldn't sing it because it'll sound totally different. I would say no. That's about right. You could sing it anyway. I think the Jamie Foxx song was one of my more, in, one of the more enjoyable listens on the album. You think so? It wasn't to me. It was the least enjoyable. Uh, my the track favorite. to Wasatch Front. Am I saying that right? Yeah, but I didn't with the horns. The subtle great. trumpet was good. Like I wrote I down it. though that I didn't think that the basketball stuff on that like landed though it. The way I think he thinks it was. Where he I, wanted to talk about when he played where for I, Jerry That's where Sloan. I go with like, yeah. okay, this is where I'm going right now with Dame. And I'm in a really tough tweener spot right here. Okay. Number one, putting it out there. Glad this exists. 
Great step forward for Dame. It's a quality rap album. It might be the most quality overall rap album ever done by an app. It is. Yeah. I you could make a pretty strong case that Shaq's first record and you know some of the other stuff was quality for that that sound You're was right. it's it, hard that sound to hasn't aged well. But like if you yeah. compared some of those songs to some of the other stuff, true. It holds up. It's fine. It would have been played on the radio yeah. and not sound all that much different than some of the other rap you would have heard. It's not NWA. It's yeah. not the chronic, but it's not awful. Right. It's not positive K. <laughs> okay. But all right, all right. <laughs> It was not, that was not a great generation for a mainstream rap. <laughs> no. I, I just, when he's talking about playing hoops, I'm like, okay. On the, I guess I was waiting for something to kind of really pump me up the way that I was when, I, when he was talking about Bigger Than Us. And I was like, okay, here's a guy who wants to talk about everything going on. And then when he went back into his insular, like, insular world of, I've got game and you don't, I yeah. play hoops great, I was not as inspired i think he talks though a lot throughout the album about being a flawed human being and some of the struggles he grew up with though he is successful i didn't feel it was braggadocious rap like we hear all too often where i'm the best and you're not i spit better than you did he does talk a lot about his struggles in the first person but also in the third person as well as a young black man growing up in the country and some of the struggles that face our country, maybe not to the depth we would like, but again, he's finding his sound, he's finding his voice, and I would prefer that to some of the things I've heard from other rappers who are imitating other rappers. So if you look at, uh, so Allen Iverson doing 40 bars wasn't necessarily talking about his life experience. To me, it was a, you could say, gangster rap. I would say an exact mob deep ripoff where he's talking about shooting guns and very cliche topics. I felt like Dame at least thought about the topic material. It was personal to him. Let's talk about some of the individual songs. Loyal to the soil. This is the one with Lil Wayne. They got cut from the album. No, but it's back. It is. Back. Yeah. They worked it out. Sweet. I saw a tweet come out from Dame that just said that, uh, even though they were afraid of losing losing the rights due to uh, Birdman, yeah, and the dispute with Little Wayne, cash money and records, yeah, that's what you mean? Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, yeah. Birdman runs it, right? Yes, I know what's up, teens. You sure do. I know what's up. Cash money, that's uh, Master P, right? Yeah. Hey, we've been looking to sell the podcast. I'm happy to sell to a place called Cash Money. Cash Money will be super interested in a podcast fronted by Gareth and Joe Reed. I feel like actually, I should have said Gareth knows a ton about hip hop. Uh, but I, was, I think if anyone's getting stabbed in the first meeting, it's probably you. <laughs> Sorry, man. It's, I know I'm the guy they dang, that Suge Knight dangles over the edge of the balcony. Yeah. Like, where's my money, Vanilla Ice? I thought that song with Little Wayne was fun. I'll show you an outline. <laughs> I thought the I thought the song was fun. Let's listen to a minute of that. Watch it go and smoke. Man, I watch it go and smoke. Uh, chin to the clouds, all ten on solid ground. Sipping purple when they used to never touch the Bobby Brown. When it comes to the crown, I done dread locked it down. Rest in peace, my daddy rabbit. He ain't heaven hopping round. I've been out here on the grind. I won't mind no time. Keeping a hundred, not even ninety-nine point nine. All right. I, th- what I said was it kind of sounds like a mix of the Halloween theme and a dick sporting good ad. And I mean that in the best possible way. 
That's interesting. Explain. Like it's got like that ominous the, kind of background yeah. in the background. So I could I could picture it like set to like high school high school players being like every season starts at dicks. Also, and then it cuts away to Little Wayne, and maybe he's maybe he's stabbing somebody. I, I think it. I think it's is the song that I would go back. Well, we'll get into a few other songs that I would go back into the a little more my speed hip hop wise. But what I like about this song is that you're able to shift from Damien to Little Wayne, and he doesn't get destroyed. Meaning, Damien Lillard is a legit hip hop artist. What I was, when I saw Lil Wayne's name on the album, what I thought is, oh man, is Damien good enough to hang with one of the best rappers in the game? And listening to it, I think pretty objectively, a couple times, he does hang in there with him. Now, Lil Wayne. You were talking about Jamie Foxx, right? (laughs) No, I'm not talking about Jamie (laughs) Foxx. Now, Lil Wayne's a superior rapper, but not so much so that you, that you're like, Oh, I feel so bad for Damian Lillard. This is not Brian McKnight and Kobe Bryant on the infamous (laughs) hold me remix where you're like, Oh, listen to this crooner, Brian McKnight. Okay. Kobe's getting to his verse. Oh shit. That was awful. This is important though. I think mentioning Kobe helps us level set. It's easy for a lot of people that might listen to it you know, Lillard rapping to say he's not Jay-Z. Let's compare and contrast him with some other guys who have tried to rap. Okay, I want to start. This is Kobe featuring Tyra Banks. Go. What I live for? Basketball, beats and bras From Italy to the US, yes it's raw I'm in search for the one to make my wealth feel poor Who can ignore the spotlight life for grandma? Adam. I mean, how does that even, does, is that even the same league as, well, as Dame? It's really easy because people do it. It's really easy to rip on Kobe again. Yeah, it is. Uh, it is because he, he is, he's imitating a rapper. Um, he's not a guy, I think, who grew up with hip hop being in Italy and got to, and is clearly a fan uh, and an intelligent guy. He's not a rapper. He is imitating a rapper on that song. Yeah, he's like imitating Chris Webber rapping and failing. <laughs> so I think someone compared it to cannabis. You remember cannabis? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, and yeah. cannabis, a great rapper for a while, for, for, for a minute. All right, let's talk about the, the work he does with the other artists. Like, who would you like to see him work with next? Yeah, we, we, Little Wayne's on this. Jamie Foxx is That's on this. That's a great this. question. Uh, I've, got a, go ahead. I've got a great one. I'd like to see him do something with Common. Yeah, I think that's great. I think when you talk about a guy, Damien is headed there. He wants to be a socially conscious rapper. He wants to say something in his rap. That's, that's part of the problem I have with rap today. Now, listen, when I, when I go to the weight room or do my jazzercise, uh, I don't <laughs> mind listening to a little Future or some of these guys who I would say aren't saying much, but they got a good beat. That's fine. But I really appreciate being able to sit and listen to this album and understand that he's trying to tell a story. And I see a guy like Common, who's always done a great job with that, even though his sound uh, in terms of production value and um, and radio playability uh, has changed over the years. Common continues to tell great stories. So, um, seeing the two of them pair up, I think would be real cool. 
Let me ask you this. He has endless money. He knows he's going to get a Well, he's halo. an NBA player, so. Right. He's got what. endless money. He's got bags of money sitting around in his Uncle Scrooge money bin. He's got all the friends in the world who could hook him up with a lot yeah. of people. Was this the album you were expecting from him, given those factors? I was surprised by how many cameos he had he had on this to begin with. What I liked about the cameos is they weren't all really well-known artists. You know, I'm... I'm glad you mentioned the names you mentioned because my favorite two songs are the last two. Uh, Baggage and Hero. Baggage, yeah. So Baggage and then Hero, which I think was listed as a bonus track. So Baggage is with a, a young artist named Adrian Marcel who happens to be a protege of Raphael Sadiq from Tony, Tony, Tone. Uh-huh. Uh, and I think I thought he killed this Adrian Marcel. I thought this was the best sound on the album. Well, Raphael Sadiq was on the next, was on and Hero. Raphael Sadiq was on the last song. I felt the album should have opened with one of these two songs, but if you establish a tone and a bit of a different sound than getting to it at the end and being like, oh, wow. Like the order goes from kind of laid back, uh, neo soul, maybe with some jazz influences to kind of like, oh, R&B dudes singing meaningless hooks. Oh, okay, we got this little Wayne song. And then these two songs show up at the end of the album. And I'm like, oh, well, where was this? This would have been great to put up top to establish a tone for what this album was supposed to be. And again, he's got to find his sound. Um, And I'm sure, like, you get a chance to work with Jamie Foxx. You're going to work with Jamie Foxx, but I I thought that song was as they say in hip-hop, whack. I, I think it's it's unquestioned Damian Lillard is the second best hip-hop artist to ever play sports, to, for me, behind Shaq. Now, you, now I, picked Lill, I picked Lillard when we discussed this on a, a show last year. Uh-huh. Um, we compared Iman versus right. Lillard, and you, you and Gareth took Iman, and uh, now yeah. I think he's surpassed Iman Shumpert. No question. Is he up to Le'Veon Bell's standard, though? Because Le'Veon <laughs> makes up all his lyrics on the fly, according to Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon, Le, uh, again, Le'Veon Bell's album is a, is a hip-hop album that you could listen to. If you gave it to, to someone who listens to hip-hop and you said, what do you think of this? I'm not going to tell you who it is. You could evaluate it on its own merit. Same with this album. Same with Iman Shumpert's work. We couldn't say that about a lot of athletes before 2014. It was my first flight out of the city. It was my first flight out of the city. Hey, Le'Veon. Le'Veon's best track. You have serious radio. Go to Shade 45 and listen to a half hour <laughs> and tell me that that shit isn't just as bad as some of the shit that is in the top 10 right now. Nicki Minaj Starships. Sorry, I don't mean to make this a hating hating on modern hip hop, but that song is to me is garbage. Well, look, I mean, look, we all know, it's and hard. I think Nicki Minaj is a talented artist, but man, some of the stuff that these that gets played on the radio in terms of hip hop, it's awful. Look, hip hop is like a it's a weird subculture of music where the top artists are going to be the top artists at the you know they're cemented. Every time you hear something from them, it's going to be great. So that's like Macklemore, Lord, Cedric Sabalos. 
<laughs> right? And then you've got your Johnny Come Lately's like Kanye and Jay-Z and the rest. Look, Dame, congrats on the album. We thought it was great. Uh, you know, interested to see where he goes next. I'm glad that people were taking it seriously. I want more, more players. You have albums. I know you have a you have a recording studio in your place. Lay it down. Kevin Love, where's your album? <laughs> Mike Muscala, we know you can rap. We saw you on the NBA Talent Showcase at the All-Star Game. He can rap like I can shoot a gun. Do I, I need have to, the ability to pull the trigger. Do I need to play Jason Kidd again? <laughs> no. Nobody does. <laughs> right. uh, one, here's the thing. Well, the one other thing I really like about this album is the timing of it. Released in fall, because to me, the sound is like you have your headphones on, you're running errands through the city, you're like picking up a coffee. I don't mean to say it. <laughs> that makes it sound like it's folk music almost, and I don't mean to say that, but I like the vibe of it. It's like I'm going to go for a walk and listen to this album, and I'm going to listen to it. I would recommend everyone... Uh, when you're out doing your weekend chores, as soon as you're done listening to this podcast. <laughs> All right. Give the album a listen. Jeff, here's where I want to start. All right. you, you've been in the industry a long time. Uh, you have worked with all sorts of the top uh, you know, hip hop performers, artists, producers. You've worked with Shaquille O'Neal, who we talked about on your last appearance in the show, being the greatest athlete rapper ever. D- Damian Lillard really does want to be taken seriously as a hip hop artist, independent of his basketball. Mm-hmm. And I'm just wondering how mm-hmm. much you feel like he has gotten, uh, how close to that goal do you think he has gotten based on um, this album and what you've heard from him so far? Um. He's good. Like, I mean, he actually has the spirit of a rapper, you know? Right. He still he still sounds like a basketball player rapping to me, and I don't mean that in any bad way because a lot of times, you know, music is subjective, right? So when you criticize people people's music, they feel like you're messing with their meal, right. you know, and you're playing with their food. Right. So i got to be very careful in how I calibrate my words because – this, this is on a technical, you know, if you're asking me to analyze a basketball game. You know, if they say someone's not good on defense, I mean, people can't get all bent out of shape. You know what I mean? <laughs> so what I'm – you get what I'm saying? But when it comes to music, it's like it's a different thing. Well, who are you and what are you talking about? And this is what I do. So I listen to his rhymes and what I let – let's start off by what uh, – start off with what I love about what he does, Right. He sounds like he's dead-ass serious, you know? And he sounds like he studies the game. Like, Mm -hmm. so when he rhymes, he rhymes in a multi-syllable cadence. All of his rhymes are in a multi-syllable cadence and not a monosyllabic cadence, you know? So Mm -hmm. that lets me know that he listens to what's going on and he's a student of the game. You get what I'm saying? Yep. That's what I like. When I hear him rap, he doesn't sound he doesn't sound like he was born a rapper. He sounds like he was born a basketball player, you know, like he, but who can really rap. You know, so I don't get the same thing that I get from for him from like a Jay Z. However, I may not need to. Number one, he's not making music for me. 
you know? Number two, he's making music for his peers and the people that understand what he's talking about. You get what I'm saying? So I don't want this ever to come out like, hey, I'm saying anything bad about him. I'm just a technical guy. I looked at the game from a technical side of it. I heard him rhyme on Sway, and he sounded really, really good. You know, like super good, like better than some rappers who are out and making money just on rap. You get what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But I, yeah. Put him up against yeah. a, but I wouldn't put him up against a Kanye West or Eminem or somebody like that. But ultimately, that's what rappers do it for. They want to be named among the greats. Am I right? What I love that this album did, and it's seared it, like I've, I've recently tried to engage more with current rap music and like went deep on Chance. And this all started when Kanye and Chance the Rapper performed Ultra Light Beam on Saturday Night Live last year. And that to me was one of the greatest live music performances I've ever seen on television. And if you haven't seen it, we'll post the link. I mean, it's exceptional. Um, but watching Chance's rap, I was like, this is, this is virtuosic. I mean, he could be playing an instrument or his mouth or words or whatever, but I was like, he has totally mastered his craft and the variations and the message were just amazing to me. And so then I, it was like, all right, so there's some, like, as I've gotten older and stopped seeking out music, I've lost touch with some of this stuff. And that inspired me to go like, okay, let's, you know, like I was up on Kendrick, but then it was like, let's get into Chance and Ray Srummerd and all these younger rappers. And I did like listening to sitting down and listening to an entire rap album by Dame Lillard and just being like, he's trying to put his stamp on this. He's putting it out there in the world and trying to be a contemporary with all those guys who, to your point, do it full time, full time. So is I just think at his best. Okay. So let's take the song with him and little Wayne. Yeah. Right. Yep. Little Wayne, little Wayne is a phenomenal times 10 rapper. I don't care what anybody says. doesn't matter what he does outside of music doesn't matter about some comments that people don't like or whatever headline. He is a phenomenal writer. And mm -hmm. it'll probably take 10 or 15 more years to really understand. He's so technical. You know, he's simple, but he's, he's complex. He's like everything that you would want in a rapper. I'm just not a big fan of his voice, right? Personally, right. like my personal taste. And I'm not saying this for people to take this as a sound bite and be like, oh, he doesn't like Little Wayne. That motherfucker is phenomenal, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. Right? Bitch, real G's move in silence like lasagna is as good a line as his ever. That is as good as it ever. Yeah. I, I love what he said looking in the Lamborghini, hoping them crackers see me, like look at that bastard Wheezy. Those, mm -hmm. those, those 10 words or so, it's so, it's so monosyllabic. I mean, it's so multisyllabic. That's, that's a big mm -hmm. thing with me. People rhyming phrases other than words and the message of what he's just saying you know it's like mm. music has always had a racial component to it it just has it, it used to be called race music you know what i mean when black right. people made music they called it race music so it's just so layered in what he's saying right and the way he's saying it my point is uh mr lillard doesn't sound as good as Lil Wayne on that song. Although Mr. Lillard sounds ill. He sounds very dope. I would think <laughs> to hear this and be like, yo, you know, 
forget these old school rappers telling me what I sound like. I'm just telling you, Wayne stands out on that song. And when you rap with people on your own music, you better bust their ass. I don't care if it's your father or your mother you're rapping with. You better go for it. When Kanye West and Jay-Z did, uh, what's the what's the song um, off of Watch the Throne? Otis? Yeah, yeah. That was the first single off the album. Right. They're working yeah. in tandem, but they're absolutely trying to outdo each other. That's what makes the mm-hmm. record so great. You get what I'm saying? It's like a one-on-one basketball game with Shaq and Elijah Wan. I'm just saying. Amen. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> just so our listeners know, and, and to reinforce your point from earlier, Jeff, you know, it's not like we're shitting on the, his album. It, we all agree it's a it's a real hallmark record for athletes who are doing hip hop on the side. But there was a lot of build up to it, and specifically going back to some of the singles he had released um, earlier in the year and going back to last year. I mean, I think a lot of people were waiting for this record to see is this something that's going to establish him as. Um, much more independent from his basketball career than it is. And I, I don't think it's taken that step. I, it's not like I hear casual fans in the office talking about the new Damian Lillard album. It's mostly us in the media world and the fan world. Uh, but it's a good step. Yeah. Really? Good step. Actually, and we're judging it on an athlete rapping. That's, that's unfair to him as well. It's not his fault that basketball was the thing that his calling was, and then he decided hey, you know what, I'm a music guy too and let me do this. That's not. That's just how, mm-hmm. you know, that's how it worked out. But we, we have to judge him as a basketball player rapping because he still plays basketball. You get what I'm saying? At, at a higher level than he raps. You know, like, yeah. I do think we're engaging. Yeah. yeah. If so. I got out on the court and I started playing <laughs> basketball, right? If right. I didn't play to the level that he played at or the worst player on the team, because if I played basketball, I probably wouldn't be better than the worst player on any team, right? Mm-hmm. I would get judged. Who's this rapper guy who now thinks he can play basketball? Like, didn't that happen before? Like, Master P and different guys were artists, and then they played basketball? Yeah, you've seen guys dabble. And then, Jeff, I mean, I, I, I hate to bring this up, but, like, I mean, Ice-T could fuck around and get a triple-double whenever he wanted to, man. That was Ice Cube, dude. Ice Cube. Ice Cube. Oh, my God. I can't believe I blew that joke. I'm my sorry. God. Ugh. I'm That's embarrassed for you. That's on me. <laughs> so, uh, okay. What, so let me add. And the game. And the game can ball. The game can ball. The rap of the game. He gets down. I saw him balling before. You know, I did a song on this first next day. I mean, he gets down, you know? But wouldn't he be judged? Like, listen, wouldn't he be judged? as a rapper playing basketball and he would be judged by those standards, right? Yeah. And let me ask you this, because one of the things I found myself disappointed in, and I, I really, I really want to ask you about this is the he, earlier in the year, he put out a, a single called bigger than us. That was about uh, what was happening in Ferguson and clearly like a socially infused, um, you know, song that everybody got really excited about. Cause I think, a lot of times we, we, we want our public figures, our, our athletes to speak out on what's happening around them. I kept waiting for something like that to emerge on this album. And I want, I want to know from your perspective, do you feel like that's unfair for consumers to be saying, these are my expectations of you and you're not meeting them and therefore I'm disappointed? I mean, should we be judging this on the face value or do you do you also share the sentiment that you would have wanted him to potentially veer into 
more expansive social venues, or is that just is that just really holding his feet to the fire on something that he's not obligated to do? Hey man, <laughs> it's everything and nothing. Okay, <laughs> it's whatever it is, right? So it's however you feel about an artist you feel connected to. My personal opinion is, if you're not making a black cop by KRS-One, or you're not making a fight to power by Chuck D. I don't want to hear that shit. I'd rather hear you turning up in the club right. and making it rain or whatever the kids say now than <laughs> having social commentary because you still have to be entertaining and compelling in your, in your social commentary. You right. know, you have to be. So if you're not really putting those words together and painting a real picture, picture I'm good. I'm good. I don't need to hear. I, I have enough artists that I can go to. I can listen to J. Cole or somebody if I want a social message because they do it just as good as their freestyle rhymes. You know what I mean? I don't want to mm-hmm. get to the song and it's the social song. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. I want the shit to be hot and it's a social song, you know, social commentary, but I want the shit to be just as hot as the hottest freestyle on your mixtape. Yep. You know, just as thought-provoking, just as just as multi-syllabic, just as thought-provoking, just as well-written. You know what I mean? All of the above, you know? This Listening to this earlier made me go down, you know, like, we listen to music now like you 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 read the internet. Like, you, you read an article, and then there's a hyperlink, and you click on it, and before you finish the first article, you start a second. And so, like, I was listening to this on Spotify, and then there's a, a link to something else, so I followed that, and I, end, I eventually ended up back at uh, Kendrick Lamar's good kid, mad city. And like, that was a, to your point, Jeff, like that's a socially conscious album. At the same time, I'm listening to backstreet freestyle. And he's talking about like, I wish my dick get big as the Eiffel tower. So I could fuck the world for 72 hours. Like you can, if you're good enough, you can do both. And rap music can be as Chuck D described it. CNN for black America or CNN for the streets. It can also be dance music and party music and club music. I mean, that is where this is what it, it started out being. That's what right. the, the beginnings of hip hop was. It wasn't lots of social commentary. When we're talking about hip hop, we're not talking about the last poet. We're not talking about, mm-hmm. you know, Phil Scott Heron or anything like that. Right. Nikki Giovanni. We're talking about yeah, yeah. hip hop in the form that we know it, which, which adds in, uh, you know, the dressing, the style of dress and the language and everything. We're talking about that. It started out as party music, a way to get yep. girls and go to the club. And, you know what I mean? So let me ask you then, because your knowledge on this is deep and you've worked with athlete rappers, obviously. It's why we've talked to you in the past and why you're here today. For a guy like Dame, it feels to me like, like I said earlier, I felt like his album was maybe a little underproduced when it came to like having a cohesive idea to tie it all together. And I do think that like a lot of the rap music that I've enjoyed over the course, and I think it holds true to the newer stuff that is interesting to me are guys who, who are, who have enough time to spend on this that frankly, they can put any idea they want into an album. Like let's sing, let's get weird, you know, like let's play uh, some old Kung Fu movies or, a voicemail or things like that. How does Damian Lillard, while work, while basically working as one of the best basketball players in the world, take that next step to like, I know he can rap now. 
I don't know. I bluntly, I don't know if he has an artistic statement, and that's what I want to hear from him. How does he take that step? Here's how he takes that step. In my opinion, uh, first of all, let's just reiterate. Let's just go back for a second. He is really good as a rapper. He just doesn't rap on the level that he balls at, in my opinion. Right, right, right. And that, and that's a few things, you know, a few components to that. But let's just make sure that this is a, a positive you know, uh, comment about him and what he does. Cause if he was trash, I'd be like, he's absolutely trash. Right. Totally. That's look, it, we, if he couldn't rap, I couldn't ask about a bigger artistic expression. Like we have the basics here. How does he take it up? So you get a producer that you connect with. You don't get tracks and you don't go in mm-hmm. the studio. You find a producer. Cause you know, back in the days, one producer would do the entire album. And we're getting back to that these days now. And like, so for instance, you know, Biggie, you know, he had Puff Mm -hmm. Daddy. You know, like, but Puff Daddy was making all the tracks. It was just that he had a vision and they sat down and talked about their vision and they pulled it off because you have to kind of get into who the person is, right? So I would say, number one, there's two components to this answer. Number one, find that producer that you really connect with and that connects with you. And then mm-hmm. number two, hopefully that producer can rhyme. Because when that right. producer can rhyme just as good or better than you, you can give that artist direction. You see right. what I mean? So just imagine, like, like I, don't, I'm, I don't know much about sports, so who's a, who's a good coach right now? Who's a great coach? Uh, Greg Popovich is the best in the, is the, best in the NBA. Imagine if Greg Popovich said, and what's the team that he coaches? Spurs. The Spurs. So if Greg yeah. Popovich said, uh, okay, and give me a play on the Spurs. <laughs> what's a play on the Spurs? <laughs> uh, well, uh, Kawhi Leonard's the best player on the team now. So, so Kawhi Leonard, Leonard yes, Greg Popovich. Yes, yeah. yes. So if Popovich said, hey, Leonard, this is what we need to do. You need to cross over here, take this step over here, and then 360 slam. Like this. And then Popovich mm-hmm. did it. You think Kawhi Leonard would be like, God damn. You know, the coach is doing it and showing me how to do it. But obviously Popovich is not going to do that, right? That's why I say not only get a person that can kind of give you direction that who's a producer, that producer should be able to rhyme, in my opinion. Right. Right. Well, your point on Biggie is perfectly made, though. Like, he produced the album, but then you've got guys like Premier making beats. I mean, he's one of the best beat makers in the world, but, but Puffy can take that beat and say, okay, here's how we're going to use it in service of this story. So that's really interesting. Well, here you go. Here, let's, let's go step back. Premier's much more in the beat maker. He is a producer. He yeah. will get you in there, and he'll work with you, right? Dr. Dre. Right, but, if you got, but if you've got Biggie money, you can have Puffy produce your album and buy beats from him. No? So. No, but the thing is, Puffy might not be the person to produce uh, Mr. Leonard, with Mr. Lillard. You right, know what I'm saying? Right. Like, that's not yes. always money is not always the case, right? Okay. It's really about making a connection is more important than money in my opinion. Because you could find mm-hmm. the hottest track in the world and the shit never goes anywhere. You know what I mean? Right. What I'm saying right. is Premier is a great producer because he did Gangstar and he was in the group, right? Right. So he's right. sitting there working on the ideas with, you know, Guru. With Guru. You know what I mean? Yeah. Who we lost a few years back, and they're coming up with manifest and all of their hit records, 
and it's like, hey, let's do this and let's do that. that and that's a cohesive. They've been always been a cohesive group. I don't know too many other people that have produced Gangstar other than Primo. And they have a string yeah. of hits to prove it. You know what I mean? To back Bonafide up. classics, definitely. No, and like, to your point too, uh, I don't like Bobby Schmurda's big track a couple of years ago. I think that beat was originally used. I'm like, we did some research on it because uh, we were listening to it at work all the time. But he... It was originally like a Lloyd Banks mixtape song and nobody paid attention to it. And then all of a sudden Bobby Schmurda flips it, puts it like all in these crows are everywhere you go in New York City, bumping out of every car driving around and you can have the best beat in the world. But if you're not Bobby Schmurda had something to say over that beat that nobody else did. And that's what made it work. So. I'm so glad you said the last part. He had something to say that no one else did because to me lloyd banks is a phenomenal rapper and writer you know what i mean right and i always have to really say writer you know i always have to emphasize writer because sometimes certain voices don't don't i don't connect with certain voices you know but the mm-hmm. writing and what they're saying is just mo- phenomenal i got one more question for you uh, okay cool this is and and, and this is this is this is why we had to have you on especially, and no one else will have this insight. Damian Lillard, the sports community is wondering, is he the best, you know, uh, professional athlete to venture into hip hop? You were on Shaquille O'Neal's album with him when he first broke into the game. I think we've always held him up as the gold standard. Are you at all in a place where you think like Damian has either gotten to his level or is approaching his level? Uh, or do you do you feel as though Shaq or maybe some other member of the sports community is is sort of an unquestioned uh, North Star in this debate? Okay, um, I'm gonna give you an informed answer and not a politically correct answer. Okay. I'd, I'd much rather give you an informed answer. <laughs> That's why right? we have you on. We you, we we go to you for the truth. So please dish anything <laughs> out. Sure. My- <laughs> I don't know if the truth, and I'm putting up the air quotes right now. It's just that it, 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 it's, it's a truth, a truth. Let's how about that, right? Okay. Because, again, it's no absolute music. So, yes. So, the short answer, yes. Because he sounds really good, and I'm, I, don't, I haven't heard another athlete. I think he's, uh, you know, better than Imani Schuper, Schuper, Schumper, right? Yep. Imani Schumper. Yeah. I, I think I can, I, you know what? Let's not say he's better. Let's say I connected more with Damian Lillard. You, you, mm-hmm. you see what I'm saying? Because it's hard yeah. to say who's better or worse. You know, I don't even say that I don't like anybody anymore. I just say that they don't, their music doesn't speak to me. You know what I mean? Because who am I to say I don't like it? Who cares what I say anyway? You know what I mean? Who gives a shit? You know what I mean? I agree with that, man. That is one of the best parts of aging. Like, man, if you feel it, knock yourself out. It's just not for me. So Yeah, yeah it just doesn't speak to me. It's, you know, it's how right. I can best you know, frame it. However, yes, he's still, because he's still, he's the best basketball player rapping. If you ask me, I was, I was pleasantly surprised to hear him rhyme, but I had heard him on sway already. You know what I mean? I heard him kick some rhymes and he seems very serious about it. And I love that about him. He's dead ass serious. It doesn't seem like he's playing around and, and, and desecrating the genre, you know, just fucking around with it. And, you know, yeah, because we're supposed to have fun doing it, but he sounds like he's dead serious and he's having fun. Right. So that's, that's the first part of the answer. The second part is it's hard to judge because I haven't heard a hit song from him yet. And Shaq had some joints. You know, Shaq had joints, man. Like, 
you know, biolo- my biological didn't bother. You know, what's up, Doc? Can we rock? I mean, it's kind of hard to judge him. So if we're judging on first albums, if we look at Damian Lillard's first album, we look at Shaq's first album, what label is Damian Lillard on? Is he on a major? Uh, I, I think, think that might be self-released. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look that up. Listen, man, and here's another thing. Okay, so I just want to make these last two points. So it's kind of hard to say because out of that album, I don't know which song was the hit. All the rhymes are good. All the beats are good. As far as cohesiveness, I just don't know which one is the hit. I'd love for, you know, a 17 or 20-year-old to be like, well, that's the hit. And you didn't get it. I'd be like, damn right, I didn't get it. I'm not even mad. Like, play it for me again. I just didn't hear the breakout hit from that record. And, you know, so it's kind of really hard to judge. If we're judging on first albums, absolutely Shaquille O'Neal, his first album is great. You know, it's a good, you know, look into his life. That's the authoritative opinion that is the reason that we brought you on the show. Def Jeff. The legend, the icon. Thank you for joining, by the way, and uh, and going so in depth with us as we try to break down this album with nowhere. You've forgotten more hip hop than we will ever know. So we appreciate you giving us so much time. I love it, man. I always enjoy talking to you guys. It's very fun, always. And we are back when. People in sports talk about things that aren't sports. They get told to stick to sports. We think that is bullshit. On this show, we celebrate the things they do away from the game because all life is is work and the things that distract us from work. That's why we always share with you the beautiful and unique Sparkle Ponies. What is distracting us this week? Who wants to go first? Gents. Who? Sure, I'll go. I got you. Oh, Oh, go ahead. Gareth. Gareth. Me first. No, oh, no, Joe, I don't want to talk about no, you. Go, go, go. I just gave Joe the death stare. I was like, <laughs> I'm not cutting all this out. Go, Gareth. What? All right. So Joe is wearing his wolf shirt tonight. You guys can't see that because we're on radio, but um, that is a fact. And that has inspired me to share my distraction, which is the excellent podcast slash music site uh chances with wolves Um, i'm getting better better. uh, chances with wolves are two gentlemen it's a dj collective from brooklyn one ken and jessica who i went to college with and uh his cohort justin cox or cray as he goes by uh they do they've done about 300 episodes of around 2 hours each of as they put it old beautiful and forgotten music some of it's very weird they try not to repeat any songs um so there is a huge library of music that you can find on their SoundCloud channel or things like that they have also just started a collaboration with a band Javelin and that it can be found on Instagram under Actual Magic. And Actual Magic, which is Chances with Wolves and Javelin collaborating, are making some really interesting, fun, upbeat, poppy electro music. So, and it, on Instagram, it's all set to old archival, like skiing videos or. Uh, people in airplanes or hang gliders and things like that. So, Chances with Wolves and. 
actual magic on Instagram are my distractions. Oh, we've really taken the sound effects to a new level. Do I need to? Do we need to have like a yeah, like a primal call when we're? No. Shout out. They do the wolf howl. They have like a wolf howl DJ drop that they do throughout the show. And so now whenever I'm listening to it, my daughter knows and she'll start howling like a wolf as well. Ooh. Joe, Joe, not so subtly, dropping sound effects just to let us know he's kind of oddly good at it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, do you guys want me to do a grill? We're like, not really. In fact, we just said no multiple times, but you do do that pretty well. Yeah, Speaking whatever. of Stern, you'd be our Fred Norris, the king of drops. But you would know nothing about that, Brad, because you don't listen. No, I don't Do you know, even know who Fred Norris is, you guys? Gareth? Police Academy? <sighs> I'm the was only the dude one from here Police who Academy? listens to That's Stern. That's Michael Winslow. I'm the only one here who listens uh, to Stern? This guy? The only Stern I ever got into was my old editor would play me all the... Uh, Richard and Sal. Uh, prank calls. Phone call. Yeah, prank calls, which could be a distraction in its own right. So. Yep. All right. Uh, my distraction is a pretty simple one. So uh, as you have probably heard and obviously remember, listener, uh, Gareth sends me some good Spotify playlists. Big Spotify guy. There's a new feature that I quite enjoy. It's called Your Daily Mix. Joe? Oh, no. I've not heard of this. So I've heard of the Discovery the library, thing. I don't have Spotify. Phone. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> You're all vinyl all the time. I listen to uh, songs I like on YouTube. <laughs> no, he buys them on iTunes. And then I buy them on iTunes. You buy music? If I like them, yeah. I bought Belinda Carlisle last He week. rented Kazam twice. That's, well, that's different. <laughs> that's for the show. That's all tax deductible. I'm writing. Or was that Thunderstruck? Yeah, uh, that's Thunderstruck. God, I hate you yeah. all. <laughs> yeah, I paid I, I paid money for Days of Thunder the other day, coming up on a future episode. Uh, watch out, February. Yeah, people will remember <laughs> this conversation, though. Um, so there's a there's a feature called Your, da- Your Daily Mix, and basically gives you four mixes based on your music preferences or frequently listened to playlists. So it'll mix in songs that you listen to on a regular basis, but also songs in that genre. Um, so it's a really cool playlist because I feel like more so than uh, like a Pandora, it's actually uh, you won't have to go more than a few songs before you find the song that you actually like and has been on a one of your Spotify playlists. Got uh, it. But it mixes in new music as well, or maybe not necessarily newly released music, but music that's new to you or songs you haven't heard. Um, so to, for me, I, I always struggle with finding, like, how do I find new music, especially stuff that I like? And Spotify, your daily mix has been a great tool. That sounds like a good solve because I do the Discover Weekly thing, yes. which is nice, yeah. but it's like 30 songs, none of which I've heard before. Right. So kind of it's a high barrier to entry to get into that and be like, all right, I'm just going to sh- put this thing on shuffle and I'll like five or six of them or whatever. It, it You want a little bit of that familiarity in there. Like, exactly. oh, I like a few of these. So yeah. Like so it's something I'll you can, it so it's something that I've started listening to during my morning workouts uh, on the quest to not donating $500 to Nebraska, um, <laughs> which was my distraction last uh, couple weeks ago. Ah. So, 
More, you're looking more to come. You're looking good. No, I'm not. But thanks. I don't know. I think you are. All right. <clears throat> My distraction. Let's talk short online horror films. <laughs> are you <laughs> serious? I went. I've been sort of dipping a toe or two into this wormhole online, and I just, dipping guys, a toe or two, guys. I went full in. I went like Brexit in. <laughs> right? You ready? You like saying you're dipping a toe into it is like F- Freddie Mercury saying he dipped a toe into heroin. It's like this. It's like I dipped a toe in it, and now I'm I'm painting with my dick in it. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> so. All so right. Good short. One. There's a lot of really good short horror films. I mentioned I've been listening to this podcast. Um, I tend to like binge podcasts. One of the reasons we do this podcast the way we do it, where we don't always talk about what's going on this week in guys doing sports. Like I want people to, if you discover the show and you want to go back and listen to former episodes, there's just, you know, it's, it's, it's you know, quasi timeless. So when I, I listen to podcasts, I tend to like go through 40 of them in a row before I tire it out. Listen to this podcast called The New Flesh. They talk about horror movies. They were talking about horror shorts. I want to give a couple uh, references to people to go check out. They're all free on YouTube. They're great. One Last Dive. One of the greatest jump scares ever. The whole thing's only about two minutes long. It's like a diver's looking for a dead body. Amazing. I think I've seen this one. Oh, it's really good. So good. Don't Move. It's about people that summon a demon that can only kill you if you if it senses your movement so they're just stuck in a room great special effects like really top-notch special Have you seen Ooh, these? no it sounds like a t-rex though oh it does it does a can only bit. see if you move but really bloody hmm. the smiling man that. jurassic park okay i don't know if it's true it was in the movie go smiling man uh-huh the smiling man um utterly undeniably creepy image. It's just a guy getting quasi-stalked by a dude who's smiling and moving around all weird. Oh, it's great. Uh, there's another one with a dude who looks more like a demon. Uh, eh, not into that one. Night of the Slasher. It's all about a girl who is kind of trying to... You don't really know what's going on, but she's like trying to court a serial killer. Kind of an interesting ending worth talking through with some friends. Speaking of talking through with friends... He took his skin off for me. It's about a lover who asked her, um, "Oh my god, her boyfriend to remove his skin." <laughs> it's more of an art film, Gareth. You actually might like this one. Um, it's super creepy, done by a film school, um, and it's it's just more unsettling about the nature of relationships than it is about horror. Two more, <clears throat> Mama, which actually became a movie, I think, by Guillermo del Toro. I could be wrong. One of those scariest visuals of like a ghost type figure I've ever seen. Like, just unbelievable. It's about four minutes long. It's crazy. And then similar Lights Out. I don't know if you guys have seen that. This rings a bell. That also became a movie. Oh, yeah. Okay, uh, that's why. Full-length movie. It's just about someone who, when they turn off the light, they kind of see, like, a faint figure there. Oh, creepy. <laughs> right, you guys don't like this? You don't like these? <laughs> no, no, I, I thought it was great. I love it. I could do these every week. <laughs> There's one about this huge bird that comes back. Super freaky. Sesame Street. <laughs> one's like perspective. A lot of times they take kind of more artsy chains. One's called perspective, and it's kind of where someone's at, someone's like walks into like a, a stairwell and they see like doors opening up and then they freak out like it's a ghost. They run away. And then you see like upstairs, the same person walk downstairs and they see the person running away without the person there and like bumping stuff and they think it's a ghost. And it's just like a loop, an infinite loop of. Two different interdimensions. Whoa. 
That's pretty trippy. And crazy. And that's our distractions. There's one one thing. Cool. I didn't, but I don't have yeah. one. One thing uh, I don't understand is how you have time to consume so much media. Like, just job. I. It's probably. It's got to be the commute. I it's have gotta, three hours. I was gonna say it's got to be the commute. Yeah. Podcast. A lot of my phone. Twelve hundred page historical novels I about senates. When I go to bed. Uh, mm-hmm. Movies, books. Yeah. Buying Kazam twice. I don't get it. It's a. It's amazing. It's yeah. I can see. Or that's what you're doing in your office all day. I don't know, but it could be. <laughs> Nobody will know. It's a mystery. No one listens to this podcast. Uh, those are our distractions. That's our show this week. If you didn't like what you hear, remember what Malcolm Jenkins said about bow ties. The beauty, my friends, is in the imperfection. Like us on, you know, any of our platforms. Follow us on Twitter. Uh, like us on, on and follow us on Facebook. Subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes. Check us out on SoundCloud. Wherever you got to go to find us, just find us. Uh, with that, let's give some shout-outs. I'm going to give a shout-out to Kent Bazemore from the Atlanta Hawks and Brad Thor for writing those novels. Brad, if you are listening, come on, man. Give Kent a shout-out your next book. You do one a year. What's it going to take? Uh, and also, Def Jeff, the amazing Def Jeff, one of our favorites, friend of show. Uh, we knew we had to break down Damian Lillard with him, and I think his insights were great. We're all looking forward to hearing more from Dame Dalla in the years ahead. All right, you guys, any shout-outs? As usual, shout-out to my boy Uzi, Def Jeff, Lil Swanee, Meech, Ron Mack, and my other cousin, Scary Ron. Booty rappers, stay booty. Yeah, buddy. Stay booty.